Well, thank you, worship team, for that reminder that Jesus does hold us fast, right? We've all experienced that and uh, experienced his grace. Today's uh, speaker, uh, we have the privilege of hearing from David Robinson. He's the lead pastor at Grace Community Church, which is in Preston Heights. He has been the pastor at that church for 23 years. Is that right, Dave? 23 years. So 1995 was when he started. So not too many pastors at the same church for that length of time. And uh, he's also an um, adjunct professor here at the uh, College and Seminary. He comes and speaks to the Christian Formations class each year, and uh, he also um, is involved with uh, the Biblical Counseling Certificate. So Dave, thank you so much for coming and sharing God's Word with us today and taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you. My security blanket. Oh, do you want this? No, it's okay. This, uh, this actually brings back a lot of memories because uh, before we moved to our, previous, or our present location, uh, we as a church met in this place, and I used to hang on tightly to this, uh, I don't know if you call it a podium, but a stand. Um, so I'm just, uh, all these, sorry, this is really... I, if, I squeeze, if I squeeze it, then my ear pops out, so this is not normal, okay? <laughs> but it, it does, uh, it works, so, okay, there it is. There's my ear. Um, I would probably say probably about 12, over 12 or 13 years ago. How's that? It feels good. I don't okay. know how it looks. <laughs> is, Do you mind if I no, please. <laughs> is it? That's perfect. That's, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, okay. Okay. Um, So 12 or 13 years later, being here, uh, and this podium, uh, those standing behind it still preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? Um, God has just tremendously blessed our country and the opportunity to hear his word. Um, I want to thank you for uh, being here this morning. And before we begin, I just want to open up in a word of prayer. So let's pray together. Father, we uh, have sung of your goodness and of your love and of your generosity. But we also read in your word that there are times when we come before you and there are times when those in scripture come before you and They don't experience your love, and they wonder where you are, and they wonder what's going on with uh, this father-child relationship. And Lord, there are broken people, and when it comes to their sexuality, uh, there is just a tremendous amount of brokenness and a tremendous amount of confusion. And Lord, these walls do not protect us from that brokenness and that confusion because it stems from our hearts. And so we just pray that as we have this broken conversation about broken people and broken hearts, that those who can identify would know that it is a gracious conversation, even though it is a difficult conversation, but it can be a healing conversation. And Father, we pray that we would journey with those who are broken, that we would not retreat, that we would not be those who who run from people. We would be cautious about how we talk, about the world, about culture, about people, 
so that when they hear us talking, they would know that they are welcomed to have these conversations. So Father, take each heart, take each person, um, and wherever they might be at this morning, by your Spirit, may you minister to them. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to go to Luke chapter 8. And uh, what I've been asked to speak about this morning is gender dysphoria. So I understand that uh, you have been going through uh, Genesis and Scripture uh, and talking about male and female. And the question becomes, what happens when uh, bodies and minds or feelings are not in harmony? Uh, In other words, what happens when someone may have uh, male organs but uh, identify more as a woman, desire to have a woman's body and to be accepted by others as a woman? And uh, that's what we want to talk about this morning. Obviously, it's a vast, vast uh, topic. It's a vast conversation. Where do you even begin? What do you even say? So I just want to begin that way by saying uh, maybe this for you is just the beginning of a conversation. Uh, maybe for you, this is a real conversation. Uh, maybe you have struggled with gender dysphoria and you have uh, questioned why God made you this way. Uh, why God gave you this body but gave you these feelings. Maybe you know somebody and uh, you are wondering how you can journey with them. So what we're going to try to do this morning for the few moments that we have is uh, how do we, I'm going to just narrow it down to how do we journey with those specifically in the church, those who are, who are, are professing Christians who struggle with gender dysphoria. Okay, and it might be some other uh, you know, form of uh, a sexual struggle that they have, gender struggle that they have. What does redemptive community look like? Uh, and if you personally do not struggle in that direction, then uh, how do you have coffee with someone who is struggling with gender identity and they're just afraid to share? How is it a redemptive conversation? How do we journey with them? And obviously, by what we mean by that, and this is sometimes the difficulty that we have, is we think that when we have those conversations, our first starting place is, well, we just need to hammer them with the gospel. Uh, They need to be Christians. Um, But that's what we want to talk about. How do we start that journey with them and seek to build genuine relationships? Genuine relationships in broken conversations. Uh, And not necessarily just seeing this as a salvation moment, but as a real moment in these people's lives and in our lives uh, and seek to walk and journey with them. Obviously, this is um, usually a a long journey and and takes a lot of wisdom and a lot of patience that God uh, gives us. So um, that's what we're going to try to accomplish in the few moments that we have. You will forgive me if I say something a little off or a little quick. It's just time uh, more than anything. So, um, okay, Luke chapter 8, and I just want to read a few verses. You, re- you remember the story. This is where I hope to end, okay? Uh, you may remember this story. Uh, there's a bleeding woman, and she has bled for 12 years, right? So, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because we have, uh, she, she's fit right between the story, the beginning and the end of the story of Jairus. Like, he gets his name in print, and then all we know about this woman is she's a bleeding woman, right? So, uh, and, and it's, it's interesting because that's how she would identify herself, right? She would, how, who are you? Well, I'm the bleeding woman. That was her main identity. Uh, and she had searched for 12 years 
Uh, and then she heard that Jesus was coming. So Luke chapter 8, 44 uh, through 45, and then we'll uh, look at that a little later. Uh, yet could not be healed by any, approached from behind and touched the tassel of his robe or Jesus' robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Someone did touch me, said Jesus. I know that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she had been discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly cured. Listen, daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Some of the most precious words, in fact, the most precious words that Jesus could have said to that, to, to that woman who had bled for 12 years. Okay, uh, just if we go to the next slide, if you want a good book on this, uh, Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. I think it's excellent. Another resource that I'm relying on is the next slide. If you just go um, and look up David Paulison, Gender Identity, uh, it, it, it is a uh, podcast, but there's a transcript as well. So if you listen to that podcast, uh, it, I think it'll be a help to you as you seek to journey through this or as you seek to journey with others through this. Uh, in Nancy Piercy's book, Love Thy Body, she mentions a young man named Brandon. Since Brandon was a boy, uh, he never seemed to fit into the typical rail, or male role model. And uh, he, he enjoyed, he would say, uh, complex, as he grew up, complex interpersonal relationships. He liked talking about emotions. He was gentle. Uh, he never felt like he belonged really to either gender. And he struggled through that. And uh, Piercy tells the story uh, in her book. And then she says this later on uh, in the chapter, after she talks about some of his struggles at the beginning of the chapter, she says, I witnessed firsthand the anguish and isolation he suffered because of his gender dysphoria. For many years, I was one of the few people who had the opportunity to stand by him, weep with him, ache for him, and pray for him. I think that's what I mean by broken conversations. They are not going to be easy. They're going to be difficult. And they're going to be opportunities where we have uh, to stand by people, to ache for people, to weep with them, to pray for them. And then she quotes another author and says this, if you want a person suffering from gender uh, incongruence to choose a path that seems more redemptive, you will want to be part of a redemptive community that facilitates that kind of decision-making. Are we a redemptive community that allows freedom to have those conversations? Are people welcome to have conversations that they fear having with someone else? And should it not be that as we have freedom to have our conversations with Jesus and we have freedom to have our conversations with others, that the most welcoming place to have broken diverse conversations is within the redemptive body of Christ? How often do we stand at the sideline and begin to separate ourselves and say, well, we could have nothing to do with them? It is amazing the people that Jesus runs into. 
and how he goes beyond the salvation message, and he talks about the powerful word of peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. And that's what our generation is looking for, peace. But they're seeking to find it apart um, from, from who Christ is. Uh, maybe there is a Brandon in this room this morning, male or female. What is gender dysphoria? They, they are conflicted with their gender. They're at unease. They're dissatisfied. They're uncomfortable. They're conflicted with what our society is beginning to call assigned gender. So you have an assigned gender at birth, but the assigned gender is not in harmony with your feelings, with your desires, with your behaviors, and with your identity. So there's a lot to do with identity. So obviously, this is a massive discussion, many nuances filled with tons of emotion. Uh, where do we begin? I want to begin, how do we journey with those in the church, with those who profess to be Christians but struggle with gender dysphoria or struggle with some sort of um, other sexual uh, um, feeling or uh, behavior or how they identify themselves and how, what that looks like in the redemptive community and what that looks like in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And just for three, I just want to give three talking points. Obviously, this is just going to be a beginning of a conversation, and maybe it's a conversation that you can continue to have with one another. The first talking point that I'd like uh, to, to, to emphasize is those who struggle with gender dysphoria, this is the next slide, those who gender with, struggle with gender dysphoria are people. It seems so obvious. They are people. They are not problems. In other words, when, if we're going to have a broken conversation the very beginning place is how do we hear their story graciously? How do we enter that person's world? What is going on in that? They're, they're going to be speaking some very emotional words. They're going to be speaking some very difficult words. What, what, is, going, what is their world like? What is going on in their mind? What is going on in their heart? You will, you will hear an emotional turmoil. You will hear pain, sometimes unbearable pain. And what they don't need at that moment is a truth bomb. And as true as Genesis 1 through 4, or Genesis 1 through 3, well, all the Bible is, but because you've been talking about Genesis 1 through 3, as true as Genesis 1 through 3 is, they may not need that at that moment. They may not need a discourse on how God created us male and female. Sometimes when we enter a person's world, the first place we land is just to say, that is difficult. That is tough. You know when you're going through uh, certain difficulties, the lot, you just need someone to know that it's difficult. You don't need someone to preach at you. You don't need someone to like lob in from a distance, Romans 8, 28, and tell you how all things are going to work out for your good. You know that, but that's what you're journeying. You're struggling. You're trying to grasp that. And as God brings you through moments in your life, deeper moments, then you're going to go deeper in scripture. So it's just, how do, how do we understand that uh, those who struggle with gender dysphoria are people, and there are just times when we enter their world, we seek to understand them, we seek to care for them, 
We seek to stand with them. We listen to value them. We listen to enjoy their relationship. We listen to uh, learn about them, what they're about. If you listen to people who struggle, and if you listen, and if you read some of the articles and, and, and some of the blogs that are out there, you will know that there is so much confusion, so much hurt, so much fear, so much passion. In a recent survey handed out at a local university in a second-year program, local university meaning in this area, there, the question, there was a question, which of the following best describes you? This is the confusion I'm talking about. Only attracted to males, mostly attracted to males, equally attracted to males and females, mostly attracted to females, only attracted to females, I am attracted to everyone, regardless of sex or gender. I do not experience sexual attraction to others only mostly attracted to gender-variant people. Unsure, I prefer to self-describe. 20 years ago, it would have been male or female. The next question is, what is your current gender identity? What is your current, because you can be gender fluid. What is your current gender identity? Trans man, trans woman, gender queer, gender non-conforming, woman, man, I prefer to self-describe, I prefer not to say. There is a tremendous amount of confusion out there. There is a tremendous amount of, of opportunities to identify in various ways. There's not only a lot of confusion, but there's little direction and seemingly little wisdom. For example, what is on a popular website, the treatment summary is basically this. The goal is not to change how the person feels about his or her gender. Instead, the goal is to deal with the distress that may come with those feelings. So don't try and change feelings but try to deal with the distress that those feelings are causing. That is, that is supremely confusing. It's difficult. What happens if the question comes up? Here's a question. Is this just a phase and, and your child is going through it? So you have a, you have a two- or three-year-old child or a five- or six-year-old child. The answer is, what direction do you give? Unfortunately, there is no way to know for sure. Not all young children who feel this way do so in their teenage years or in adulthood. So how do parents know if they should let their son carry a girl's lunchbox or let their daughter wear boys' clothes? Experts advise that you take the lead from your child. Let your child be who he or she is and get help if you or your child needs it. Again, that last line can be just so confusing. And then you read that if you don't listen, then you do irreparable harm to your child. If you don't transition, then you become even more depressed. In fact, some of the research estimates that 71% of people with gender dysphoria will have some other mental health diagnosis in their lifetime. Mood disorders, anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, depression, substance abuse, eating disorders, and suicide attempts. All that I'm saying here is these are real people. And how do we slow down with real people? And yes, there is truth. But how do we engage with people connecting on an experiential level rather than just saying, well, you need this. You need to read Genesis 1 through 3. You need to read the book of Ephesians. How do we engage in these, these broken conversations? So when we read the newspapers, 
when we have somebody come into our church and they say to you, this is my struggle, this is my battle, how do we engage um, them in a redemptive way? What is the second place that we go? Well, this, is the, this could have been the first or second, but this is the second place, um, that the second talking point is we all struggle with identity issues. Maybe we're not that far off from them. Maybe we're not that different. My struggle may not be with my identity in terms of gender, but the Bible speaks all over the place about our identity. So if we want to hear their story first, second, we want to get to know our story. Do I stand in judgment over them? Because that particular issue just kind of rubs me the wrong way? Uh, In David Pallison's podcast, he was asked to respond when someone says, is it okay to feel like I'm a man? I'm a man, but being a woman's body. What should I say to that? And he was asked if he would begin in Genesis 1 um, and talk about male or female. But this is interesting because what he said is, uh, while Genesis 1, talking about male and female, is a good foundational passage, uh, what we have where, where he would start is he would start with basically the heart or with our identity issues. Isn't it interesting? In other words, when you listen to that podcast, there's an interesting thing that takes place, especially in Bible college. Can I just put it out there? Because you're learning truth answers, and you should, and that's all good. But the next, you, you ta- how do you take those truth answers and not just become a truth person, But how do you engage wisely and then walk with people to the place of truth? This is what he says. What people are doing with their sexual feelings is no different from lots of other ways people misinterpret an identity around their social status, the amount of money they have, how far along they are on their bucket list, who their friends are, how their sports team is doing, There are a hundred different ways to go astray in how we think about who we really are. If it is a gender identity issue, then their identity is wrapped up in their gender or their lack of coherence in their gender and their feelings and their behavior. But we also, and even as believers in our sanctification process, we are growing more and more to seek to be in conformity to the identity of Jesus Christ. I have identity issues. I struggle with identity issues. Yours may not be gender. Yours may be looks. Yours may be friends. Yours may be money. My, in other words, my journey is their journey. My particular struggle may not be their particular struggle, but my journey is their journey. We don't have time to look at it, but in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, it talks about this putting off. This is a continual process in the believer's life. I am putting off. Why? Because I, take all, I carry all sorts of other baggage with me, and I am influenced by the culture, and I am influenced by others. And so what takes place? How do we put it? By being renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's why we can talk about feelings. 
That's why our minds do matter, and they do influence our feelings. And putting on the new self, one according to God's likeness. There was an article that was written by uh, Sam Alberry. Maybe some of you know him. It's a gospel coalition, um, and it's entitled, What Christianity Alone Offers Transgender People. And he actually goes to Romans chapter 8, where it's about the groanings um, and the frustration, the futility. Uh, the creation is not right. And then he says this, we are alienated from God. We are alienated from others. We have relational issues. And we are often alienated from ourselves. Listen to what he says. We see this frustration in a variety of ways. Some face unremitting health issues. Others contend with a whole range of body image struggles. Still more experience gender dysphoria, feeling as though they are trapped in the wrong kind of body. The fact is virtually no one has an entirely straightforward relationship with their own body. Is that not true? The fact is virtually no one has an entirely straightforward relationship with their own body. It's part of this, of life in this world. When I am sitting having broken conversations with broken people, I am coming alongside of them, and in a Galatians 6, 1 and 2 sort of way, I am saying, I get you. I understand you. I try to find my identity in this but this is broken, and this is groaning. And, and here's the, 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 one of the root issues is, what happens if you find your identity in your looks? You are all about looks. That is how you gain friends. That is how you have influence. That is how you have power. Now, God gave looks, and we're to enjoy looks. But one day, our looks are going to run out. It just will happen. Here's the beauty. There's a deeper identity than looks. Our identity becomes too small. If we are trying to find our sole identity in sexuality or in our looks, or one day money's going to run out. Money's not the issue. Looks aren't the issue. My finding identity in money, my finding identity in my sexuality, my finding identity in my looks, that's the issue. There is a deeper identity, Christ. Now, that's a broken conversation. That's a conversation many people don't want to have. But that's the beginning of a redemptive conversation. And that's why walking with broken people is often a long journey. And that's okay. Because if God is sovereign, and he is sovereign, he's, he's okay with those long conversations. You take a look at the characters of the Bible and the long journeys God had with them. I mean, David, King David was not I mean, he was not, he was not Psalm, Psalm 23 king all his life, all right? Okay, and then finally, so he, just, he goes on to say, Sam, Sam Elber goes on to say, our churches should be places, should be the places people feel most safe trying to articulate their own sense of not being right. That's so profound, isn't it? Here, in this room, are you able to articulate what's not right? Tell your story honestly. What's, what's really going on here? And say, I'm broken. And then somebody comes alongside of you and says, I get it. I'm broken too. 
So let's have a broken conversation. And sometimes a broken conversation just ends with, ah, that's tough. I'm really sorry about that. And that's a good conversation. Okay, in the final few moments, and we've already touched on it, we read of a deeper story. Uh, Grace, the word we love to hate and the word we hate to love. Grace is so complex, right? I love it when people extend grace to me. One of the hardest things is to extend grace to someone else. How often should I forgive them? Grace is a fine line. How, how are we grace-filled and how are we truth-filled? How do we listen? How do we understand one another's story? And then what that ultimately leads us to is the story. So we try to understand their story. We try to understand my story. And then we seek to um, join the conversation that's already taking place in Scripture, which is the story, the story of Christ. I, we'll just close with these two thoughts. The redemptive story gives freedom to grow in who we were created with our distinct personalities and gender. This is what I mean by that. I think in churches, we have to be very careful about how we define what a man is and what a woman is. Who was more man, Jacob or Esau? Esau. There you go. What do you do with Jacob's? Can men not be intuitive, emotional? Whatever, not NFL, NHL, NBA? Can women be leaders, strong? Is that feminine? What's masculine? And sometimes, in order to reclaim especially masculinity, we've done a disservice in, and, and we've put people in a box, and what that basically says, okay, if this is not you, if you are not a leader's leader, then are you, like, that's manhood. But, but, but we're all created uniquely. Why would we all want to be the same? So you are not defined by how others define you. God is gracious to give you the personality and the gender and to enjoy both in how he's created you. And then finally, and this is where we end with Luke chapter 8, the redemptive story digs deeper than we're, than we're often comfortable. The redemptive story digs deeper than we're often comfortable. What do you think would have been comfortable for that woman who bled for 12 years? If she had just, if she had just been healed of her bleeding and could have walked away, that would, have been a good, that would have been a good story, wouldn't it? I mean, could you imagine the joy? She could have been reintroduced to her family or whatever it might have been, and she's having a cup of coffee after supper, and she says, oh, yeah, I just touched this him. He's such a great, he's such a great prophet. This is Jesus. I, got, I, I mean, I hope to run into him again one day. But what did Jesus do? Jesus said this. He asked these questions. Who touched me? That is beautiful. Who touched me? Why is it, what's so, Jesus is saying to this woman, there's more to your story. There is more to your story. You are not identified by your bleeding. 
There is, there is a greater story. There is a deeper. You are not identified by your sexuality. There is a deeper story. There is a greater story. And then, this is what it says after that. Once the bleeding stops, the woman, she found out she was discovered. You know, the worst of all fears because she hid from people for 12 years, but the best of all worlds because she was discovered by Jesus. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly healed. What's amazing about this is Jesus enabled her to tell her story. That's what Jesus allows for you. You can tell your story. And then what, what happens if the woman had gone home and Jesus hadn't asked that question? She would have never heard this word. You know this word, right? And for some of you, it's a broken word, and for some of you, it's a precious word. But the very first word that Jesus says, once she tells her story, what happens when you tell your story to Jesus? Is he going to reject you? Do you know what Jesus says to this woman? Daughter. That's amazing. I have one daughter. I have two sons, all equally loved. Okay? Just putting it out there. <laughs> but I have a daughter. There is something precious about a daughter. Jesus says to the broken, there's a deeper story. You are not defined by your sexuality. You are not defined by your looks. You are not defined by your fashion. You are not defined by your bank account. Your identity is you are a daughter of Jesus. You are a son of of God. And being a daughter of Jesus never fades. In fact, as the years go by and the groaning increases, the praise also increases. The prime point of identity was not her bleeding. The prime point of your identity is not your sexuality. Jesus brings you, or the gospel brings you to a new identity in Jesus. And it is a good identity as you are conformed more and more to the image of Christ. So how do we hear their story? How do we come alongside them and have redemptive conversations, broken conversations? How do you understand your story? And then how do you understand the story? So that you bring them to this story and you say, here's a woman who found her identity in this. And if she could be freed from that, she'd be happy. But Jesus stopped her and said, someone touched me. And he welcomed her story. And he called her daughter. And then the final words he said are, go in peace. She didn't go singing kumbaya, although she probably did. But that's not what, that's not what peace ultimately means, right? You guys still sing kumbaya? No, that's my generation. I was, I was afflicted with that one. Um, but peace is wholeness. She became whole. She became as she was created to be with all the brokenness, but there was healing. She went in peace. And that is my prayer for you, and that is my prayer for those with whom you're journeying. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that the woman stopped bleeding. And our goal in these conversations is that, in fact, Brandon, who we read about in Love Thy Body, he would still say that inside he's a woman.
even though he honors you with his life. So we know that we all struggle with identity issues. But our goal is not so much to erase those identity issues as it is to grow deeper in our identity with Jesus Christ. And in that identity with Christ, what could never happen if we take away sexual organs or if we somehow try to improve our looks, what could never happen is the depth of peace and welcome. We would never hear the word daughter, son. So for those broken in this room, which is for all of us, Father, may today we hear your words, your word again and again. We are a child of the King. We are a child of our Father. He has called us son. He has called us daughter. In Jesus' name, amen.